0: Welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value.
1: Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here is your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex.
0: And we will start today with 5-Minute Masters, where we give you a master class in 5 minutes. Because a real master's degree is expensive. Alex, would you like to begin?
1: Yes, so we are recording the day before Easter. This is not going to be an Easter 5-Minute Masters boring. <laughs> this is a 5-Minute Masters about jelly beans.
0: Yeah, jelly beans!
1: <laughs> I had a coworker leave a bag of jelly beans for communal use in her break room, mm. and I was eating a bunch of them today because I was hungry, mm-hmm. um, and there was like a rose-flavored one in there.
0: I think that sounds remarkable.
1: It's It's fine, but when you're next to a bunch of fruit-flavored ones, it's a little like, okay, stop kidding yourself
0: (laughs) to calm down (laughs)
1: like (laughs) strawberry is a little more powerful than you maybe you need to be in your own setting with with like a rosemary and like (laughs) yeah
0: some herbal jelly beans i want that now (sighs) well
1: i mean we'll just make some lavender jelly beans and we'll take over the world let's do it um but anyway um they say that jelly beans were first mentioned in 1861 when Boston confectioner William Shraft urged people to send jelly beans to soldiers during the American Civil War. So that's, His jelly beans.
0: Oh, so that's like the first textual reference to jelly yeah, beans?
1: Yeah, I guess he was telling people like, hey, buy my jelly beans and send them to your... Your family They
0: man mail well. <laughs> <laughs> My candy goes through the postal service very well. Mail them to your loved ones.
1: But also, like, I think they did that with M- the original version of M&M's, too. It was something similar to that. It might, yes. have, it might have been World War Two. Yeah, that...
0: Because that, um, that's, M&Ms a, that's t-
1: a younger candy.
0: Yes, definitely not as old as Jelly Beans.
1: Um, as As you know, I'm doing candy research. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um but they weren't called jelly beans until 1905 um hmm. and they what, were mentioned what were they maybe,
0: called before that?
1: Or well uh, let's just say it says not until July 5th 1905 that jelly beans were mentioned in the Chicago- okay so they were actually mentioned in a newsprint. They weren't just like posted around. Okay. Um The advertisement publicized bulk jelly beans sold by volume for nine cents per pound.
0: I wonder what that is adjusted for inflation.
1: Well, nine cents for a pound of jelly beans sounds awesome. Yeah.
0: But, you know, back then it was like... Yeah.
1: Um, And according to the Century in Food America's Fads and Favorites, most uh, most historians contend that jelly beans were first associated with celebrations of Easter um, in the 1930s because they look like eggs i guess i guess
0: like little tiny eggs <laughs> but
1: that's why like that's the connection
0: that i mean because there's no other enough. holiday
1: that's like jelly bean centric
0: that is tr- you know i never really questioned yeah. like what's the deal <laughs> with jelly beans at easter because they're pretty ubiquitous aren't they
1: yep mm-hmm. well now they have like actual egg jelly egg-shaped jelly beans sure
0: like, but like it's always been jelly beans like, always why? been
1: jelly beans why? That's so well funny. because of uh they look like eggs <laughs> Kind of vaguely. Kind of.
0: I mean, as much as they look like beans.
1: <laughs> but the, the interesting fact that I actually remarked to you when we were doing our little research, or I didn't tell you, but I was like, oh, I found something that jelly bean was slang in the 10s and 20s um, for a young man who dressed stylishly but had little else to recommend him.
0: I love it. <laughs> That's my new favorite word. Oh my God! Jelly bean.
1: <laughs> Similar to, <gasps> to the older terms dandy and fop, F. Scott Fitzgerald published a story about such a character, the Jelly Bean, during 1920. In William oh Faulkner's God. 1929 novel *The Sound and the Fury*, Jason complained about his niece Quentin's promiscuity, remark- remarking that even the town jelly beans have her by the go-by. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. You've given me a gift. Oh, that's the best. And that fits
1: your little uh, rough and tumble guys that you were doing that, uh, the, the, the other Five Oh, Night
0: the, te- the, the Teddy Boys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were jelly
1: beans. Real jelly beans.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Stylishly
1: <laughs> dressed, but little else to recommend them. <laughs>
0: It's just like I love it. It's just like a little sugar snack. It's like, well, you know, it's tasty, but that's about it. Delicious but empty. Yes, (laughs) so good. It's perfect.
1: We should start using that.
0: I am going to immediately. (laughs) Well, that's delightful. Isn't that fun? Um, my five minute masters is a. Hard left turn. From the-
1: <laughs> Goodbye, Joy. <laughs> no,
0: it's actually okay. It's it's pretty interesting, though. Um, so uh, this is a story which I had been familiar with in the past, but I decided to um, brush up on it because I saw people mentioning it recently. I want to tell you about actress Hedy Lamarr and her contributions to communications technology. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hedy Lamar was born Hedwig Kiesler in 1913 in Vienna um, to Jewish parents. Um, she was always pretty smart, but she wanted to be an actress, so she dropped out of school in her teens to do that. She made her first film in 1930. Um... Her uh, fifth film in 1932, called Ecstasy, uh, she appeared nude in several scenes, and it was banned in the United States because of it, but she got very famous because of it. Um,
1: Selfie queen. Yes.
0: No, she was super hot and very naked, and uh, eventually a, a highly edited version was released in the United States. Um... It was also banned in Nazi Germany, but not for the nudity. It's for the Jewishness.
1: Of course, <laughs> as as Nazis would do.
0: Uh, she married uh, Mr. Fritz Mandel, who was a munitions manufacturer and a Nazi sympathizer.
1: Wah, wah. wah,
0: wah. <laughs> uh, he apparently was extremely jealous and tried to buy back all the copies of Extas,
1: Good luck. So,
0: I, well, supposedly, and I don't know if this is apocryphal, Benito Mussolini had a copy which he refused to sell.
1: <laughs> so this is like keeping up with the Kardashians. It's insane. Basically. Yeah, honestly,
0: Hetty would have fit in so well with the Kardashians. She was sassy and sexy. Um, so she left him. She yeah. left her husband in 1937 Supposedly, she drugged a guard and ran away in the night. Again, not sure how apocryphal that is, but it's very dramatic.
1: <laughs> oh, and this week, our whole week was all about drama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so she ended up signing with MGM, uh, and she worked for MGM for several years. Um, had a lot of, you know, fairly successful films, but in the 1950s, her success was fading, she was getting older, she was apparently kind of difficult to work with, and they decided not to renew her contract. Um, But despite not having any formal scientific training, she uh, was still a very smart woman, very scientific mind, and with a man, uh, George Antheil. Um, developed a system for radio communication, um, which is the basis for a lot of communication systems that are still in use today. Uh, so just like a brief explanation of how it works. Basically, my understanding is that it was, um, it was a form of a radio control mechanism for torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Um e- that she she basically came up, with, with George Antheil, came up with a way to uh, sort of do a, a frequency hopping mechanism to prevent signal jamming.
1: Oh.
0: Um, so
1: like it, it tries a bunch of different routes so that it can get through.
0: Sort of, yeah. It's Kinda. like it keeps the, the signal to the torpedo from being intercepted. Okay. And they, the basis for their mechanism, really awesomely, is a player piano. Because mm-hmm. um, they needed to have a way f- to like hop frequencies but keep the torpedo and the like thing sending the frequency in sync. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to use like a paper roll from a player piano so that they would always be synced up on the mm-hmm. same like frequency and it's so interesting um they uh they worked on it for several months they got help from an electrical engineer um using slotted paper rolls like I said um and it's funny they're uh it's it uses 88 frequencies because that's the number of keys on a piano (laughs) which is pretty cute um they patented it in 1941 uh it was uh patented as a secret communication system and uh the interesting thing is though you know they they patented it and like it did work but like they couldn't really get it implemented unfortunately (laughs) um the navy didn't really want to like in, yeah, they're just like no, we don't. Like, we don't have need
1: pianos on our ships. Yeah,
0: well, and part of the issue was um, trying to figure out how to get it to fit in a torpedo. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was just kind of bulky, and they're like, we don't have a lot of like spare room inside <laughs> torpedoes. So I'm not sure this is totally gonna work. Um, but Hedy Lamarr also did her part in the war effort, and she raised seven million dollars in war bonds because that's what Hollywood stars did during the wars Mm -hmm. they they sold war bonds um but unfortunately they they just couldn't quite get their original idea implemented but um in 1957 engineers reused that basic idea but they switched over from paper rolls to electronic circuitry so Mm -hmm. they sort of based a new thing on what uh lamar and Antheil did and they uh put it to use in the blockade of cuba in 1962 Mm -hmm. unfortunately this was about three years after their patent expired yeah so they didn't get anything from it do
1: is um, when they're looking for like they know what they want to do so they'll look through like all the for anything similar and then they can just Yep. You know, fill That's in the, the gaps in what they know how to do using a, an existing patent. Yeah,
0: and it's great that, you know, what they did ended up, you know, being useful. But unfortunately, because their patent had expired, they didn't see any proceeds from yeah. it. It's a bummer. But um, subsequent patents have usually referred to the Lamar and Heil patent as the basis of their work. So they are at least given credit right, for what right. they did. And um, now... Uh, this concept is used as the basis of many military communication schemes where hopping is used to prevent jamming. So, like, it's used even today.
1: So it's not the device that they really use anymore, but it's the, the but, method. Yeah, the, the, their, their concept. The, yeah, the concept behind it. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, Hedy Lamar, pretty interesting woman. Yeah, as I understand it, though, she was kind of a pill and really... <laughs> Really, not a pleasant. So she's like,
1: I'll I'll show you all. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make a missile delivery system. Yeah,
0: blow some (laughs) fuckers up with torpedoes. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, you know what? Like, good for her. Like, she was a multi-talented woman (laughs) and a total boss. So thank you, Hedy Lamarr, for your contributions to science. (laughs) So today...
1: We're very tired. We're
0: so tired. It's <laughs> not fair. But I'm very excited for our topic anyway because we watched one of my favoriteest films Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Ooh,
1: Ooh Victorian sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they said?
0: <laughs> Alex is just waving his arms in sort of a ghostly manner. <laughs> Doesn't get picked up on the microphone, unfortunately. No, no. So. We watched
1: We watched it.
0: We watched it. I mean, I'd seen it a lot of times, but you I saw it for the first time. I have never seen
1: it. And I, I mean, I'm a, I'm like most people, a fan of Guillermo. Um, I mean,
0: most people should be.
1: Yeah. Um, not as well versus... You know, some I don't know all of his work, but this was something I was interested in when it was originally coming out. But it's just like
0: a lot of people missed it.
1: They missed it because they weren't sure what it was. Poorly or, marketed, you know. like
0: many of Del Toro's films.
1: Yeah, it was good.
0: Mhm.
1: What are we talking about? About it?
0: Well, <laughs> I think the most interesting thing is the way that he approaches the gothic. Um, so I guess I mean, if y'all out there haven't seen this film yet, just go and watch it. It's been out for many years now. <laughs> but um the basic plot is um
1: You will be screaming at the TV. That's the plot.
0: Oh, you were just real mad. Thrust- you were f- okay. so furious. So
1: we're in New York. There's a beautiful girl who's headstrong and
0: She's a, she's smart and she's a writer, and
1: she's a writer, and she's like, I'm gonna get my novel written, and then a handsome dark haired man shows up,
0: the baronet, like, the baroness sharp,
1: and then you're like, oh, he's bad because obviously, yeah,
0: this is a gothic it's horror, gothic
1: like, horror, and the costumes are very dramatic, and the color palette is very Guillermo, like it's monotone or poly or like two toned,
0: yeah, never well, more than two, and that's really calling back to the sort of you know, old colored film that really only picked up a couple of tones. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. that's, that's a cool move on his part to harken back to that.
1: And then there's good old boy, blonde haired, what's his name? Yeah. um, Uh, Charlie Hunnam, who I, I I mean, you know, he's the good guy. So I was automatically rooting for him.
0: (laughs) See, I just, I know that you like Charlie Hunnam. I have nothing against Charlie Hunnam, but that's sort of the issue is I, I just, I can't I can he I cannot in favor. I just he d- he doesn't register when I look at him. Like I don't even see him when he's on screen.
1: One thing I will say that I wish was a little bit different about this movie is that I wasn't so immediately drawn to him as, "Oh, I know he's the good guy." You right. know, I wish it was a little more like, "Oh, who's really who, you know. But
0: that's not
1: That's not what the kind of movie it is.
0: That's not what kind of movie it yeah. is. That's it's, not how a gothic tale it's, works.
1: Um, here's a ghost suddenly and you're either screaming or you're like,
0: okay, thanks for coming. <laughs> I love all the ghosts in this film. They're very scary. There's a lot of them.
1: They're like, I feel like they're the version of ghosts when you have a nightmare about a ghost. Mm-hmm. Not like the version of ghosts in media, you know? Yeah, yeah. they're, they're like
0: really cool. I mean, they're very Guillermo. Upsetting. Yeah, they're very troubling
1: and they'll have long bony fingers
0: yeah yeah so um basic plot overview yeah she's um edith she is the daughter of some sort of industrialist played by bobby from supernatural and uh the doctor the good dr charlie hunnam has a crush on her
1: and all the girls have crushes on him because he's a doctor.
0: Well, those those girls are his sisters. That's oh. his family. I, I mean, <laughs> that's his family. Uh, okay. The, no, the girl they the shitty girls have a crush on.
1: Oh, on Sharp.
0: On Sharp. They well, have. Well, have... he
1: should have taken one of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they deserved it. Uh, and then
1: we have Sharp's sister, Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Lady in Red.
0: Yes, Jessica Chastain doing her best David Green impression.
1: Obvious murderer.
0: Obvious murderer from the moment you see her in this just deep blood red dress with a train a mile long. Just <laughs> slamming on a piano, playing Liszt, like just really murdering a piano. Yeah. <laughs> And, and she's got
1: dark hair dark too, which hair. is very different for Jessica Chastain's most of her work.
0: Well, but in the gothic story, the dark haired woman is evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you well, just yeah, again, know. Again,
1: um, one in that same scene where she's in the red, Mia um,
0: Vashikovska.
1: Thank you. I'm never gonna say that again. <laughs> um, Edith is wearing all white,
0: wearing white with her fluffy blonde hair yeah, and her porcelain. platinum hair, basically. Yeah. She's just, yeah, she's just like a cloud floating through the room. Literal
1: virgin, like, yeah. all of it.
0: Yes, and Jessica Chastain, like, looks like a vampire. Yeah. It's great. She's got that big ring on. So good.
1: It's a giant just, ruby like, or something. just, like, leering
0: from the shadows. Yeah. <clears throat> Her eyes are glowing. <laughs> she's yeah. so scary. Um Anyway, Thomas Sharp comes and he sweeps Edith off her feet. He's here to get for f- no
1: good reason other than he's a good flirter.
0: Yes, yeah. And
1: she's like, ooh.
0: Well, she's a romance. Like, yeah. I mean, she's a writer and <laughs> yeah, she has these exactly. dreams. Well, of and big all, everybody world. around
1: her is like, you need to put a romance in your book. Yes. And she's like, I better have a romance so I can write about it.
0: Yes. Um. Uh, the Sharps are in town to get funding for their contraption. <laughs> It's a mud digger. They're, yeah. They're doohickey. They're plot device mm-hmm. uh, to get all the clay up from their mountain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: honestly i felt like the clay was the best character in the movie yeah because except, I, of how much it made me scream at the movie
0: but like why do they need a special machine to dig it up it's literally everywhere like just take a shovel out there why do they need to pull it up from under industry the ground? like just dig a ditch man <laughs> so but they're trying to get money for this machine
1: which uh, is false it's a lie
0: well they are trying to get money for the machine are they yeah that's what they're trying to do
1: well, I, don't I don't know, know what really. you
0: thought they were trying to do. Well, they're also getting
1: trying to get money so they can continue living in their decrepit...
0: Well, but that's what they need the machine for, to make money back. Because their father gambled mm, on them. family money. Then why do they keep killing women? <laughs> to get their money. Okay, we'll get there. I feel like you're very confused about this film. We'll no, get
1: there. I think we just have different ideas.
0: Uh, well, I mean, the literal <laughs> events of the film happened. So maybe I can clear those up for you. But... Uh, yeah, so Daddy Dearest is like, I don't like these Europeans. I'm an American, and oh, no. I pull he, myself he, up out of these straps. He's, yeah,
1: he's, he tells Sharp he's like, you're you're not a man, because you, you got have
0: soft hands.
1: You've never worked a day in your life. He's like, my brain works.
0: <laughs> my heart works. <laughs> my will is as strong as any man's. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I have so many thoughts about this. I'll get, I'll, I just gotta recap first. Um, daddy says, no, I won't give you money. And he's like, well, I'm going to hang out in town and chill with your daughter. They get cuddly. And he, he's like, hey, Jessica Chastain, give me your ring. I'm going to propose to this blonde girl. And then uh,
1: daddy finds out.
0: And is like, I, I'll pay you
1: not to. <laughs> I'll pay
0: you money to leave the country and, and fucking break my daughter. Like, why do you have to break her heart? That So
1: that she wouldn't have the desire to follow
0: i mean, I guess but like because he
1: knows his daughter's like
0: i guess she probably you know, could make something she's a happen. modern woman yeah she's a modern woman she's a gibson girl in, in
1: what year <laughs> a modern woman in what it's year? like
0: fucking 1900 or something it's i don't maybe know not
1: even that far
0: yeah just based on the the gibson look it's late 1890s i yeah, would guess it's
1: just like victorian and... it's
0: definitely 1890s because of uh events referenced later in the film okay yeah um if not later than that. But, uh, so he schemes, um, dad ends up murdered. And he gets
1: his head crushed.
0: Yep. On a porcelain sink.
1: And it's really gross. It's
0: real bad. And and, and
1: And the, the, like. The, the the like bloody water running, it's just like is so obvious. It's so, just but that's what that's what you're here for. Yeah, is, is, it's
0: just blood. It's blood. It's blood. Um, so Thomas is like, they're there. I'm sorry that your dad is dead. You should murder me. Murder. You should marry me now. Murder comes later. <laughs> she
1: should have murdered him.
0: Yes. Well, yes. Uh, marry me and everything will be fine. And she's like, okay.
1: Yeah. What else like am I going to do? 30 seconds later, she's like, this sucks. Yeah.
0: Um, she runs off to their spooky, spooky house with the, with the Sharp family. She's now Edith Sharp and their house is a fucking dead body like <laughs> it, it has a hole in the roof
1: also it the, bleeds the the path leading up to the house is
0: this red is gash red
1: clay whereas none of the other red clay is visible because there's grass but this the path is just
0: Red, red clay. clay. And, it's just all and not, the... like,
1: not like orangey red clay. Like it's like
0: blood red. Blood
1: red clay.
0: Yeah. And the house is somehow just full of clay that's just oozing from the walls. From like, from
1: like the second story. It, it doesn't make
0: sense. It doesn't matter. The house bleeds. The house breathes. It's got a hole in its head. I love it.
1: And you can sink into the floor, but they don't. I
0: that's mean, it's just kind of oozing.
1: gun and they didn't pull the trigger. I
0: just don't... I i mean i think that you just misidentified the gun i don't know it's...
1: i'm not a gun expert <laughs> but i know a hole in the floor when i see one
0: <laughs> it's just kind of mushy uh so uh, it's spooky things happen ghosts show up turns out they're she this being poisoned by the sharps their whole plan is that thomas marries wealthy women takes their money and then they murder the women uh, just all in service of trying to make this damn machine which really i don't know why it's so hard but it is uh and then mr handsome doctor is suspicious and decides he's got to go and rescue her and he walks by himself for four hours in the snow <laughs> very dramatic Edith is dying
1: but she gets laid
0: if she does get laid yeah. we'll come back to that <laughs> she does get laid uh she sees that the brother and sister are fucking yeah it's really which, troubling. Which, i mean
1: spoilers like you know the whole time
0: <laughs> yeah i mean like first time i saw it, i was like it occurred to me and i was like is he really gonna go there Is it really going to go full flowers in the attic right now? And it did. In the attic. Full flowers right in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the attic. Uh, And anyway, um, Thomas is also in love with Edith because he's a confused and sad little boy. Uh, Everybody dies except for our blondes.
1: The blondes survive.
0: Blondes live. The breeding couple lives. (laughs) And,
1: uh, Everybody else is ghosts.
0: Everybody else is ghosts now. So, so, it's very gothic. Yeah. It's extremely gothic in a very classical sense, but Guillermo has the good sense to take what's good in the gothic and put in some stuff that was sorely needed in the gothic. Yeah. Like feminism.
1: There's a little bit.
0: I mean, okay, it's not there's like... More,
1: there's 100% more than in regular graphic.
0: Well, yeah, and that's what it's... So, it didn't necessarily... I mean, okay, the first thing that really stood out to me is the sex scene. Yeah. between With Edith and Thomas. They're out of the house, and everything is so much better when they're out of the house, and he's out of his sister's clutches. Uh, and they do it. They Their do it. They stay in the night in the mail depot, because they get snowed in, and she doesn't get undressed at all her hair's still up uh like you see her legs and that's it and you get full hiddleston butt um and then
1: she's like flip
0: flip over this girl's uh she's a prodigy okay (laughs) this is her first sexual experience as far as we're aware and she's like I got this.
1: <laughs> well, it, I was going to say it's his, but we know it's not his. It's
0: definitely not his first sexual experience. <laughs> it's his first sexual experience with a non-family member.
1: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <sighs> even though he was married multiple times, None his sister of them forbade fucked him. that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. No, that scene, I was like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. like this is, I mean, it, it's, like, it's already, you know, pretty surprising to see in a film at all and then especially in a period piece Mm -hmm. it like really sticks out as like a choice that's being made and i appreciate it um but you know it's just the way that he handles the roles in a classic gothic story you've got your you know your set upon heroine which you think edith is gonna be but she ends up being the hero. Yeah. She's the one who saves the day, and the other woman is the ultimate villain. She's you know, uh Lucille Sharp is the one in charge. She's the mastermind. The men in this film are hapless. Yeah. They're utterly hapless you think that Thomas is this schemer he's being used He's Lucris. he doesn't even know
1: how to build a machine he
0: doesn't know anything <laughs> except how to make toys
1: oh yeah he's good at making toys
0: uh-huh. which because, is just because more gothic he's, creepy and he's infantilized <laughs> yeah. he's the baby brother forever in the attic making toys Oof. that's <laughs> what
1: happens when you kill your mother
0: <laughs> you know? oh it's just so troubling
1: did they what happened the, the dad did they kill the dad too but Dad, if he died.
0: you know, I don't know that it's necessarily clear what happened okay. to father. They mention him. He gambled away their fortune. He was abusive. Lucille murdered the mom. We don't know. After
1: she nursed her back to health. But that's, that's from her lips. She yes, we lying. don't
0: know really what happened there.
1: They gave her tea. Yeah, poison tea.
0: But, like, all of the men in this film, like... They think that they are in charge and they're not. Yeah. Like, they think that they know what they're doing and they never do. Mm -hmm. Like, Dad is like, I'll just buy my way out of this. And then gets murdered. Yeah. And he's like,
1: let me just shower alone and not get murdered. (laughs) Well, guess what? You got murdered.
0: I mean, I (laughs) I will say, like... People shower alone all the time and don't get murdered.
1: Yeah, Well, then (laughs) Jessica Chastain puts on a glove and you're dead.
0: Yeah. (laughs) His his mistake was underestimating Jessica Chastain. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's that. There's there's Mr. Doctor, Mr. Charlie Hunnam, that's like, I'll just confront the murderers in their home during a snowstorm. Nothing bad will happen.
1: Oops, I got stabbed in the armpit.
0: And then in the gut, he gets so stabbed, he's completely useless. Like, he shows up to save Edith and does nothing of the sort. He arrives, is immediately stabbed. He
1: takes her from the third floor to the first floor, and then she does the rest. You know what?
0: Uh Uh-uh. She fell to the first floor. Oh, that's
1: right. They were in the sitting
0: room. He did nothing. He stalled for a minute while she was unconscious, and then carried her to the foyer, and then got (laughs) stabbed a lot. And went to the basement. Uh, And then we got Thomas. Who's just like. Hopeless. Like he can't do anything by himself. Like he's just. He's like. I mean he does horrific things. But ultimately he's just being used. He's been used since he was a child. Like he's. He's got zero agency, and then the one time he's like, you know what, I'm making a decision, it's the dumbest decision ever. He's like, hey, Lucille, let's all of us go away, you and me and Edith, you know, after she saw us siblings fucking and knows that we've been trying to murder her. I'm sure we can all live happily. Let's just move. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: the That Thomas, you You stupid baby. Oh,
1: one thing we never really talked about, because we did talk a little bit after the movie.
0: Yeah, but we tried to save it.
1: The ghosts. Yes. Is she only seeing them? Because she's poisoned.
0: Oh, um, well, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, At the end, Lucille sees Thomas's ghost. That's true, that's
1: true, that's true. I think they're real. Okay. We
0: have no reason to think that they're not. She saw her mom's ghost several times before she ever went to Allerdale Hall, so I, I think they're real.
1: Yeah, and it is a gothic horror movie with ghosts because in- Because she's writing a ghost story, mm-hmm. but...
0: Well, she's writing a story, a story with, with ghosts, ghosts in it. it. But yes. this is...
1: I'm trying to think what would Guillermo say this is. Is this a gothic movie with ghosts in
0: it? I think he described it as a gothic romance.
1: With ghosts in it?
0: Yeah, it's a story with ghosts in it, but it's a gothic romance. Um... But, no, and then she also sees one of the Crimson Peak ghosts when she first arrives before she's ever had any tea. That's true, that's true. So, I think they're real. I think they're there. There's actual ghosts. I mean, the first line of the movie is, ghosts are real. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we can just take that as a given. It's also
1: the last line of the movie.
0: hmm yeah. Well, sort of. Well, it's, she, like, it's bookended with yeah, yeah, a similar yeah. speech. Yeah. Yep, it's great. Um. What? Okay. So let's 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 walk it back. What was the what were we going to revisit? I've gotten all wound up.
1: Feminism. Well, the sex scene.
0: The sex scene. Yeah, we 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 did revisit the sex scene. There was something else I wanted to revisit. I don't know. So.
1: If you like movies that are extremely loud in their visual symbolism, you will love this movie. It's
0: got so much. Because I mean, it's not
1: even symbolism anymore. It's just like, that's what it is. It's blood on the wall. It's blood, wall blood. Yeah. Even though it's
0: play. Yeah. I mean, this. This it's all metaphor. It's metaphors all the way down. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know.
1: And then the fact that like, oh, in the wintertime when it snows... The
0: The minerals in the clay seeps up up into
1: the snow and the snow is red. That's why they call it Crimson Peak.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, We, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all gothic though. Like all of that is like just classic gothic themes with, you know, the old house. You know, that's what I want to talk about. Um, Now it's killing me. I can't think of the name of the story. There's this great Short story by Herman Melville. It's a really great... It's like a ghost... It's like a gothic haunted house story, except with boats and racism. (laughs) Boats and racism. But no, Herman Melville's not the racist one. You're the racist one. (laughs) Anyway, I was just...
1: Racism was the friends we made along the way.
0: Racism was the ghost all along. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's, um... It's a pretty classic gothic story, and I apologize for not being able to think of the title now. I'll try to put it in the show notes or something. Um, But it's, like, this guy, this American steamboat captain, and he finds they're, like, sailing into this lagoon, and they find this old, old ship. An old European ship with sails, and it's, like, been mired in this lagoon and so they're like go aboard like hey what's wrong and the people on board are like super weird and like suspicious and they're like nothing's wrong no, not a darn thing and they're they're Spanish and they're Catholic and turns out um, like the guy the captain American guy thinks that they're pirates or something but it turns out that actually this was a, this is a slave ship and the slaves revolted and they have like control of the ship but when the americans come aboard they're like all right you're going to act normal like you're not going to tell them what happened and so like the the slaves who have revolted are like pulling the strings and And that's why everything seems really weird and spooky and like, dude doesn't figure it out until the very end because he cannot conceive of this even being possible that these African slaves could have pulled something off like this. Um, But I was reminded of it because of the sort of classic juxtaposition of like, Americans and technology and forward thinking versus old world European Catholic sensibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the doctor with his new motor car. <laughs> meanwhile, Thomas has a sh- like an old house with a hole in its head. Like,
1: <laughs> and between the two of them, Thomas and Lucille have one outfit each.
0: <laughs> I know, they just, well, what happened to Lucille's amazing red dress? She switched to She rented it. She
1: She returned it the next day. (laughs)
0: They don't have the money for that. She kept the tags on it. Exactly. Tugged them in and returned it. That's why
1: she didn't dance.
0: (laughs) She didn't want to get sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, and uh, with Thomas, you know, he's trying to break away. And you know he is a forward thinking person and he's you know he's an engineer and he and builds machines and he wants to but he's being dragged back into the past by this fucking house that he has to live in and this sister who he has sex with <laughs> <laughs> So I, I ultimately
1: mean, like he tries to be the gooder guy I mean he, he stabs the doctor he, in the least lethal place Yeah it's on request it's,
0: he, at the end, he takes a turn and he's like, "I don't want to do this anymore" because it turns out Edith is cool and my but, sister is bad. But
1: thankfully, he dies anyway because he's a monster. <laughs> he had to
0: die. Of course, he had to die. But he died
1: in really dramatic tr- trying fashion.
0: to put things right. He couldn't possibly put things right, but he tried. Yeah. And then he got stabbed in the face with a file, and it was. Horrible to see. It was
1: really bad. And then he pulls it out. out Like okay, that's Guillermo doing his handiwork there. He's like, Oh, "Oh, that was gross how he got stabbed in the face. Well he's gonna pull it out with no emotion on his face because
0: he's just in shock. Oh damn. It's horrifying. No, Guillermo likes armpit stabs and face wounds. That's what he does. Oh, That's yeah, the Guillermo special. Fans labyrinth,
1: labyrinth. labyrinth.
0: There's a couple of that. There's the there's the cheek cut, Ooh. and there's also the bottle to the face. Smash, Ooh. smash, smash.
1: Yeah. And, and the, he likes he likes heads being crushed too.
0: When is a head crushed?
1: In this one, in the the dad.
0: Oh yeah, dad gets his face smashed. I think in. There's a head
1: crush in labyrinth too.
0: Well, I mean, there's the bottle to the face. Smash, yeah. smash, smash. <laughs> and then also. Um there's in um you know, in Pan's Labyrinth at the end the he, the bad guy is shot in the face. Yeah, exactly.
1: And pull then throughs.
0: also in The Shape of Water, the Russian guy gets shot in the face.
1: Ooh, yeah. Guillermo
0: this is he knows how to he knows
1: he has he has a style he, and he has he, it gets things.
0: yet man yeah. it gets He's
1: probably like it, that's gross let me do more of that you see the heebie-jeebies
0: <laughs> and then the armpit stabs are because he himself was stabbed in the armpit by a metal fence I believe and he's he was like my god why does this hurt so bad this is the worst pain in the world so he stabs his characters in the armpit now also
1: no. <laughs> I don't remember where I learned it from it must have been Torchwood or something um, if you get stabbed in the armpit, if they cut a certain artery, you bleed out in like six minutes. So doctors should have died.
0: Well, they missed that artery. Maybe. I mean, it it was just like a little knife. Like what was it? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, like, she
1: didn't have her giant. She, she did not have the meat hill kitchen knife. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, like, yeah. I mean, you know, right? Obviously, Guillermo got stabbed in the armpit and lived, so he That's knows true. what he's talking about yeah. when it comes to armpit stabs. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I I mean I just I've always been fascinated by the sort the sort of themes of gothicism and the sort of uh, battle between the past and the present, you know, the forward moving and it and it often is framed as like the new world and the old world and this movie definitely does. Well, then that. we
1: have the moths too, which are not only a symbol of that sort of gothic style, but also it's like moths eat old things mm-hmm. and then versus the butterfly which is a symbol of rebirth in the spring
0: i love it i yeah. love it that's mm-hmm. great that's and then great then the line and about the moths
1: eating eat butterflies,
0: butterflies. Ah, it's so good. as they're like rubbing butterflies on their faces butterfly kisses with actual dying butterflies it's the weirdest scene i love it <laughs> there's so many weird moments in this movie and I, I love them because he's just not holding back he's like yeah, yeah this movie is crazy here you go. You mm-hmm. know, this is not r- normal. This is not real life. Like this is a gothic fable.
1: And as far as like horror being a genre, it's not like a constant, like adrenaline rush the whole time, but there were like th- at least three moments where you're like, Aah! And you yeah. pull your blanket up.
0: Yeah, with the ghost cr- with its broken legs crawling down and the it's hallway. Just, just shrieking. And
1: then when her mom first comes in and it's just like claw <sighs> on the body. Yeah.
0: Almost too much. A little bit too jump scarish.
1: That first one, yeah. But yeah. the other ones later are, are are earned.
0: Yes. Yeah, that one was just a little little too much. I love the scary. like
1: peeping Tom ghost too.
0: Yeah, oh, just like
1: She's bathing. <laughs> and it's just like suddenly in the background there's a ghost. You're like, oh
0: hi. Like oh sorry didn't know you were naked. <laughs> I'll come back.
1: Which I mean, they're benevolent ghosts. We can assume later, uh-huh. um, because they're like, you know,
0: thanks. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ghosts, you know, they're freaky because they're you and know she
1: talks to one
0: anguished ghosts in you know eternal misery. But like they're trying to help her. Then they yeah. always are. Yeah. They they're never trying to harm her. They're just really alarming. <laughs> just Mm -hmm. extremely alarming they're like
1: get out get the fuck out. you have
0: to leave (laughs) believe me i know um yeah so we've got some really interesting stuff in this movie like incest baby Uh, yeah i mean i think that that one's really interesting um especially with your mention of the sort of Butterfly metaphor, yeah the idea that oh, right. their their, mm-hmm. their offspring was not viable, it died because mm-hmm. it you can't you can't you can't do that do that, <laughs> and it's you know and it's not just you know like biologically a bad idea, but, but like, like metaphorically her, a bad idea. Her
1: not being able to move to move to the future, there like, nothing just, can grow from clinging there. to this dead body house. Yes. Being eaten by moths. <laughs>
0: yeah, there and in fact I think that in like the big climactic scene when Lucille kills Thomas, um, he says, you know, we're we are we dead, Lucille. Like yeah. we died in this house already. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. ugh, that's great. That's great. I like that a lot. I think Well yeah, if
1: you're stuck in this house, the only reason you leave is to get money. To have money. Mm-hmm. To keep to stay in the house. To stay
0: in the house.
1: Um, and you can't afford new clothes, you're stuck in the same clothes. You're ghosts already. Yeah,
0: they are. They're go they're living ghosts that haunt the haunt Allerdale Hall. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And like being with Edith and like being away from Lucille, he's like starting to see what it is to actually live and yeah. to like mm-hmm. move forward in your life and have a future. hmm But Lucille doesn't want to have a future. She wants to live in the past. She wants to, you know, Thomas to be a child forever, Mm -hmm. which just makes the incest thing even worse. It's like she's not just in love with Thomas, she's in love with child Thomas. She wants him to be 12 years old forever.
1: She she likes the power, the control.
0: Yes. And yeah, just this, yeah, the security of just living in the attic with Thomas forever. it's like it's even more upsetting when you really break it down yeah. like i think
1: the most fun part about this movie if anyone wants to sit down and watch it now that we've told you all about it <laughs> um is just like seeing how horrible this house is and just yelling the at house. them to leave
0: the house oh my god yeah it's well and it's so funny it was it you were cracking me up when we were watching it when it was she was like the ghosts they want me to leave they i have to get out and they're like you can't leave you live here and you were like she should just murder thomas and i'm like why would she murder like she loves (laughs) him and doesn't know that he's like poisoning it's
1: definitely one of those things where it's like the audience knows him way more than the main character that's called dramatic irony get out yeah like you know that's the whole thing
0: yeah But she loves him. Mm -hmm.
1: She doesn't doesn't know what love is.
0: Well, that's what he says in a very condescending way.
1: Yeah. Well, he doesn't either.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's actually, so that's one of the things when, so I already rewatched this like a couple of weeks ago, and then we we rewatched it again together. And um, uh, there's this moment that meant more to me upon rewatching it that time when Thomas is undertaking his mission to break Edith's heart in you know, the early part of the movie in act one. And he tells her in order to break her heart that her novel is stupid and that she doesn't know what love is. Mm -hmm. And he's, and like, I think it's a really true moment for Thomas where he's saying like, love is suffering and it's pain. You don't know what it's like. And it's like, he's talking about his love with Lucille and about how dark and horrific it is love <laughs> is
1: blood coming from the walls. yeah
0: that's that's what love is to them love is
1: digging a pit
0: <laughs> digging a pit in your bleeding property <laughs> like Uh.
1: love is traveling the world to murder women for your sister so that you can pay to live with your sister for all of eternity
0: yeah it's great um but (laughs) if you're not
1: doing that that's not love so like i found
0: that moment really interesting and nuanced because like on one hand Like, I think that he does admire Edith's optimism and...
1: Well, he likes her book.
0: Yeah, he does actually like... Yeah, I mean, we're not sure. We don't know what his real feelings are on the book, but we do know that he does admire those qualities in her. But it is also this very interesting true moment for him. Like, that is his lived experience. And what she's writing is nothing like what he knows of love. The
1: interesting thing is we never really know what he... truly really believes and feels because at first he says nice things cuz he wants to take her money. Yeah, he's seducing her. And then he falls in love cuz he got laid by somebody <laughs> new.
0: So, <laughs> well, he could I just be he, a, was, he could
1: th- just be a man.
0: I think he was falling in love with I think he's her just before. a man. Well, yeah, I mean he's a he's a dumb <laughs> little boy forever, but I think he was falling in love with her already.
1: Based on context yes
0: but well okay cause like there was that I'm moment a, where I'm also
1: very pessimistic you are you were
0: you're just really I'm, I'm
1: tired today well
0: you were maybe tired when we watched the movie too because yeah. uh, yeah like there's the scene when they're making out in the toy room <laughs> when he's like showing her his workshop and she's looking at all the toys and they start smooching and you were like why does he look like he is repulsed by her yeah. and I'm like it's because he's afraid yeah. because he's falling in love with her And you were like, maybe. (laughs) Like, no, that's what that is. Like, he is afraid of her. See,
1: I think it's, anytime it's a horror, I'm super suspicious. You were so suspicious. Because if I'm not, then I get too scared. So, like, (laughs) Blair Witch, I am like, oh, that's nothing. That's, you know, that's just someone stepping on a branch in the woods. Like Like, horror movies... Completely completely throw me off kilter.
0: Okay. I mean, and that's just a difference between us. Because, like, horror movies rarely scare me.
1: I have to explain them.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the explanation for this is that Thomas was afraid to fall in love with Edith. Because he knows the consequences. Yes. And they were dire. <laughs> they were dire, <laughs> dire consequences.
1: Alright, audience. So now it's your turn. Go watch this movie and let us know... Is he lying and just a man, or <laughs> is he actually in love with her?
0: I think all think all of these things—are true. They can all be true. In that's
1: true. He can be in love with her and be a terrible man.
0: Yep, and I think that's that's really that's it. it. We that's it. it. <laughs> he's a terrible person who's also fallen in love with her. Yeah. Uh, He—he's not redeemed, but he tries.
1: Although his ghost is like the best looking ghost, so it's kind of a redemption.
0: Yeah, well yeah, I kinda like that. He's like the snow. Yeah. You know, he's he's the only white ghost that we see, but then there's the red seeping up through mm-hmm. like the like the clay seeping through the snow. And I
1: love the costuming was excellent, not only like his costumes and it was Yeah, it's gorgeous pretty, period costumes. Um but also like when they're running through the, the clay, like the bottoms of their dresses get red.
0: That's, the, I love it. He <laughs> fucking cares as a yeah. filmmaker. He's consistent. You know what? That's another thing I wanted to talk about briefly is Edith and how great of a character she is. Um, because she's, she is a strong character. You know, she you really get a good sense of who she is, what she believes in, what her priorities are, why she does the things that she does. Um, she is a very intelligent person, but she also is naive in certain ways. And I think that that's a really honest thing. You know, she doesn't have a breadth of experience in the world, but she's got a good mind and she's figuring things out, even if she doesn't quite know what she's gotten herself into. Um, and I love that she's, she's a writer and that Continues to define her throughout the story. You know, that's one way in which she is demonstrated to be a thoughtful and educated person. There's an unfortunate trend, I think, right now, especially in Disney made films, where girls are given an interest in some kind of field of academics, often science or mathematics. And it's just kind of like a hat that they're wearing that doesn't actually affect them.
1: Yeah. Or doesn't come into play. Yeah.
0: You've got like Alice in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. And it's just like, no, she's like smart. But it's like, it doesn't,
1: It's just it doesn't it, come up. It's just the end of the movie when she's like, I run this business. Yeah.
0: It doesn't come up. It's just like, see, look, she's a strong woman because she can do figures uh you know you've got it looked like the same thing going on in the um nutcracker and the four realms Mm -hmm. clara was just like it's physics (laughs) physics but she like like, doesn't have a personality alice doesn't really have a personality um the little girl in the new dumbo movie is like talking about the scientific method but it's like it doesn't mean anything or amount to anything and it's just like they they don't have personalities. They just have the word science stamped on their foreheads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas Edith, I feel like it really was a natural part of who she is, and I I appreciate like that she's a lot.
1: scared of these ghosts, but she's also like, let me figure this out.
0: She's inquisitive and she puts things together. She she you know can can connect dots
1: <laughs> and she can stab you, mm-hmm.
0: but she also cares. <laughs> <laughs> She Holy does. Goodness. She does, yeah. She does. You know what? Another thing I really thought, thought was just a great moment when we find out that the baby was Lucille's baby. Um, and that Enola, uh, Thomas's previous wife. Which sounds
1: like a camera brand.
0: <laughs> Enola? I don't know. I, I think it just sounds like Ebola. But...
1: Oh, I have a Minolta camera. Oh, okay. So. <laughs>
0: so we just got different reference points for that one. But... She tried to, man, so, like, how long was Enola around? Because, like, Lucille had a baby. And the
1: dog's still alive.
0: Yeah, but, like, Lucille had a baby while Enola was in the picture. And Enola was like, I want to care for your baby. So, like, Enola knew. Like, Lucille was (laughs) pregnant and unmarried. And, like, she had a baby. And Enola's like, okay, I recognize that this baby is deformed, but I think I can take care of it. Like, that's really interesting Mm -hmm. that Enola was, like, actively dying because they were murdering her. And she was still like, I want to save your baby. Woof. Woof, woof, woof. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. But it's a a very interesting film. The house also has teeth.
1: Oh, yeah. In the hallway. That
0: hallway is full of sharp teeth. It's really scary. Bad feng shui yeah tell me about it what's a what's a hole in your roof do for your feng shui it lets all the chi in <laughs> it lets all the ghosts in
1: <laughs> the snow the leaves <laughs> the ghosts the chi
0: yeah that house definitely has bad feng shui it's oh full yeah of it's literally sinking <laughs> sinking into the ground full of ghosts <laughs> we gotta get this all cleared out
1: yeah You can't do a very good job burning it though it's red brick
0: yeah, well, there's a lot of wood there. you yeah, could would, probably would, burn it. You could gut it. Yeah, I wonder what she did. I assume she inherits Allerdale Hall. Her husband's dead. The Sharps are all dead, so Aller, Allerdale Hall belongs to Edith now. Fun. Yeah.
1: She's just gonna write books about the ghosts, and the book the ghosts will be like having tea with her. Well, that might be a bit traumatic for yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder
0: if she's just gonna leave it to rot, or if she's gonna demolish it.
1: Probably.
0: I don't know. I mean, we don't need to know. Like it just yeah, ends, and it's, it's like, okay, the the breeding couple will live. Like they they're... probably both bleed out. <laughs> I know they're still like. Tri- I mean, there's they're four
1: hours away from any civilization, and there just are people to help them.
0: Yeah, and where they're... those people just showed up, didn't they? I forget. The... No, he
1: asked them to follow oh, me. Remember? Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. But so,
1: he's the doctor, and he's gonna pass out any second. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Hopefully, they have a band aid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> For his horrible hemorrhaging, uh, yeah, no, and it's all it's all wrapped up in the end, and that's nice. And, and she, she
1: gets her head smashed in with a shovel.
0: Yeah, you know, and more I... head smashing. More head smashing. Oof! Just her grunting and shrieking, just terrible noises. I did wonder about the sort of significance of the shovel, because like throughout the whole chase scene, Edith had a kitchen knife, and um. She was being chased around with a big meat cleaver, but in the end, Lucille takes the knife away from her and she picks up a shovel. Is it just? I I, just, I wonder if there is any significance to these tools because it could have been anything, right?
1: Well, the knife is scary.
0: <laughs> well, and I and I I you know I might have to think on it more, but Lucille she, you know, she's got, to, to you know, get real heteronormative for a minute, like, she kills in very gendered ways, mm-hmm. you know, she poisons the tea, she, you know, whenever she, it is like a violent attack, it's with a kitchen implement, she kills her mother with a meat cleaver, yeah. uh, so she, and then, of course, you know, we have the significance of Edith stabbing Lucille with the pen that she was given mm-hmm. by her father. And I love that. Oh, 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 because she said she didn't want to use the pen because her feminine handwriting gave her away and she ended up using the pen to save her own life. That's And something. to stab
1: her sister-in-law. Stab
0: her sister-in-law and save her own life with her feminine pen. <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, so, but, like, the shovel, I don't, like, because of the significance of the other weapons, yeah. I feel like there is a significance to the shovel.
1: I mean, it's a It's digging site.
0: <laughs> it's a digging, yeah. But, like, why they've got a big they, machine that's doing the digging. Why is there even a shovel there? So, like, the shovel Because seems... the
1: machine's useless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, like, I guess it's possible that it's just, like, and there would probably be a shovel around. I think it's, it's also
1: just, like... She's not necessarily a strong, I mean, she's an injured character. Yes, she is very ill. Th- her pursuer is also injured, but has a giant, a bigger knife than her. Yes. So she loses the knife, so she's like, I need a bigger weapon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Otherwise, I'm screwed. It's like high ground.
0: Agreed. But I'm questioning the choice of the specific object. Yeah, I
1: don't know.
0: I mean, I'm thinking... I don't know if it has
1: anything else to do with...
0: It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, I mean, it is a more masculine... It's a mas-
1: symbol of her late husband. It's
0: a more masculine object. It is linked to Thomas. It is a tool that is being used for a technological project. I, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. I'm going to think about that more. But I feel like there's something there, given the significance of all of the other weapons.
1: Well... Maybe and he Guillermo find... got hit in the head with a shovel when he was a kid.
0: Yeah, it's all just about Guillermo's childhood traumas. <laughs> That's all that any of his films are about. Right. He met a really sexy fish one time.
1: And he got um, attacked by a monster in Tokyo
0: mm-hmm. when he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened to Guillermo. Yeah. And Vampires.
1: Fairies. <laughs> Hellboys. <laughs>
0: Hellboys. So, any final thoughts?
1: Not about Crimson Peak.
0: Okay. Well, I guess we said we set our piece we on it. We
1: set our piece.
0: I would like to do recommendations, but I forgot to think of one. So, I'm going to need just a second. Okay.
1: Well, my recommendation, I guess we can pause it.
0: Yeah, no, you can go ahead. I'll
1: Okay. Um I don't know if it's a recommendation or like a warning. <laughs> <laughs> I always recommend The Magicians, but uh... season 4 finale of The Magicians has me fucked all the way up.
0: Listeners, he's gotten me onto it. We've been watching it nonstop. Yeah,
1: look forward to a side podcast that's just like Magicians. Magicians recap. And it's just me. <laughs> 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 um, but I would say if you are interested in the Magicians perhaps tread a little lighter than I've said in the past, just because a lot of people are upset about the finale. Mm. I'm still really in favor of it, but um, I understand that it really is hurting some people um, and mm-hmm. they disagree with the choices that were made. So,
0: oh Boy, well, I'm even more excited to see it.
1: You're going to love it. I
0: bet I am. I tend to uh, enjoy things that are contentious. <laughs> well,
1: and this is one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of people are really upset about it. And there's some good reasonings, but I also think... Somebody said, wrote an essay about it being upsetting, and so people are like, "Okay, that's the way I'm supposed to feel." Hmm. Um, so it's a little bit bandwagony, but you know, people are allowed to feel the way they feel. I mean, it fucked me up, so I can understand how people are fucked up in a different way, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm really excited to catch up. I've been I I I had to get over a little season one hump, but you know by the second half of season one i was i was in
1: yeah once the magic really kicks in Mm -hmm. and shit like fucking horrible well like it stops
0: being harry potter and starts being like horrible chronicles of narnia like (laughs) (laughs) yep yep it's like I was like, okay, so they're like at wizard school? Okay, I guess so. But they're just Oh, not. there's a
1: god that's coming in a bottle and then you have to drink it in order to defeat your arch nemesis?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, listeners, you heard him correctly. It's it's really a lot. I have
1: gifted you my bestowal.
0: Bestowal. <laughs> Woof. Uh, no, I like Ember. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's super funny. Yeah, no, I've been I've been really enjoying it. It gets crazy real fast. Um, okay, well, my recommendation is a new album just came out like yesterday, two days ago. So enjoy, um, Mystery Skulls, one of my favorite artists. He's super cool. I've seen him like every time that he's come to Portland. Um, just came out with this new album, Back to Life. Uh, it's on Spotify and all. And I like it. I think it's a good sort of return to form for him. His previous album I didn't enjoy as much as his older work, um, but this new one I like a lot better than that. Um, so I'm like, oh, good. Like he stopped doing the stuff that I didn't like <laughs> as much. Uh, but it's just good, funky electro pop type mm-hmm. dance jams, and it's it's fun. Fun times, so check it out, Mystery Skulls, Back to Life. It's a good album.
1: That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere.
0: Please review and subscribe wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. It helps other people discover us if... uh, the podcast places know that you like it.
1: <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at lit merit pod where we post about episodes and other things.
0: Sometimes.
1: Sometimes.
0: She want all the latest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the one tweet a week. If if that we
0: will not overload your feed, we promise. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. Lose. There's nothing to lose by.
1: Yeah, it's, it's
0: just you might as well subscribe.
1: <laughs> a pity subscription would be wonderful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song "Fraud" from his album Artificial Heart.
1: Until next time, remember <gasps> she doesn't she have, have the range. Go.
0: I'm sorry, darling. I love it to pieces, but she doesn't have the range. <laughs>